0: Hey, this is Marielle Buckley, and you're listening to The Northern Report with Sean Burns.
1: Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, friends. Welcome to The Northern Report. I'm your host, Sean Burns, and I'm coming right at you from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Here on The Northern Report, I aim to shine a light on emerging and existing Canadian talent as well as some of the legends we're still lucky to have with us. My guest on today's show is Marielle Buckley. On the back of her sophomore album, Driving in the Dark, Marielle was the winner of Roots Artist of the Year at the 2019 Western Canadian Music Awards. Topping that successful year, Marielle finished first place at Project Wild. It was real nice to get the chance to catch up and dig a little deeper into the backstory, the journey into regional stardom, and the plans, albeit ever-changing, for the future. And although this chat didn't run quite as long as some of the other ones, we managed to cover some respectable ground over the next 30 minutes or so. So thanks for tuning in, and here's my chat with Marielle Buckley. hi buddy hey pal how you doing
0: good man how are you
1: i'm doing okay yeah
0: yeah living in the toba
1: living in uh in winnipeg in the heart of the continent but you are now in the city of champions in edmonton hey
0: yeah i like it here a lot
1: it's like a bigger winnipeg i always felt there was similarities
0: I feel that way too. It's a lot like all the capital cities. I think they have a vibe about them that's just like very insular and like cool and creative.
1: It's like a bit of a more hard-nosed vibe than Calgary, I think. I like Calgary a lot too, but I always sort of like Edmonton's a little got a little bit more blue collar sort of action.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I, I completely agree.
1: So you you grew up in Calgary. Like, Do you remember what kind of music you were hearing around your house when you were growing up?
0: Yeah, I mean... uh, <laughs> When, i mean when i was little it was like i listened to a lot of madonna um and that and that we had like kind of all the 90s pop staples and you know like uh, a lot of the world music my parents were super into but my dad also had a pretty sizable like john prine uh commander cody and the lost boys uh, yeah he had that that what's that record they have with like smoke that cigarette on it and stuff i might but that was have around our... here Oh, so good. So we had that in the car. Lots of like 70s folk music, Chris Christopherson and shit and you know, the like I'm a white dad sta- staples. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it makes sense like uh, you know, that you and your brother are are sort of in this sort of songwriter vein like in and, and and the country-ish kind of thing that you grew up around.
0: Yeah, for sure. It was it was around.
1: So other than your brother, Tim, T. Buckley, who's like a really well-respected and, and well-liked artist, was there any other musicians or and family members like that?
0: Yeah, well, one of our uncles, uh, Uncle Chris, my dad's got seven brothers and sisters. And hey, one of them, uh, yeah, and they all still play stringed instruments of some variety. Most of them are like cello or viola. Wow. But uh, Uncle Chris plays viola in the St. John New Brunswick string quartet still. Uh, and they like, they go on tours and they do all kinds of stuff with the CBC and like, they just did this fucking awesome recreation of a Stan Rogers tune, like an instrumental with like all these crazy, awesome, uh, you know, shots of Nova Scotia and it's a big, yeah. So it's kind of neat to have him around still.
1: That's really cool. So you, did you liked all that stuff growing up? Like when did you start singing? Do you remember when you started singing?
0: Yeah, I I was like, I was like young, but I didn't do it in front of people until I was in my 20s. But I was probably like 16 or 15 when I bought a guitar and started banging away on it.
1: Your brother teaching you stuff? or you kind of just hammering out on your own?
0: A little bit, but I was, I was pretty, I mean, we're so far apart in age that he moved out when I was like, you know, I was only 11 or 12 when he was out of the house. Oh. Because he's seven years older than I am. So Once he was gone, it was kind of like, I knew he played and I thought it was cool. And that's why I started to do it. But he wasn't really around for me to, to learn from.
1: I think the first time I met you was, uh, maybe late 2011 or 12 at Wino's, like a now long since defunct venue. And it was like really clear to me that you were young and very hungry to soak everything up and you were like putting the time in, but you definitely seemed like, uh, like a little nervous yeah like green but like not in a way like a very humble about it like here i'm here i'm want to hear these bands and learn this shit and like see how people do it and kind of like apprehensive to say well i i do this too and do you when did you start playing shows
0: yeah i think it would have been right around that time i mean 2011 or 2012 for sure and it was just open mics and stuff like the ship and whatever and just kind of cutting my teeth until uh the right Chance came along, and you know, I basically just took whatever I could get.
1: Yeah, first time I saw you was one of those six-hour stampede shifts at the Palomino. Oh yeah,
0: I remember that because Lisa was there too, and I saw you do one of those way back with Peter Built.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you so had uh, you had Spider, and I think maybe Kent.
0: Oh yeah, Kent so, McAllister was early in your, you know, good times though.
1: That's like a it, it's it's the progression's like natural, but it seemed really quick. Like and from the outside looking in, there was young people like you and Carter in Calgary that were sort of making a splash. Uh, do, you, do you look back on those years fondly? Like you, do, you don't really realize you're in it when you're in it, I guess.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, it's kind of, yeah. Like that little five hour Palomino gig, I did it all the time to pay rent and I loved it. Like, you know, looking back now, it's like how, you know, how low pressure it was and how fun it was just to get up there and like kind of get paid to practice and, you know, try out new songs and whatever. Like, yeah, I, I certainly miss those days.
1: And then you made Motorhome. Yeah. When did you record and release that?
0: 2014.
1: Oh, it was 2014.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, holy shit. Yeah. Cause I remember getting a copy of that maybe at one of those Palomino shows.
0: Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Do you uh, do you still play though any of those songs live? Like, do you, what's your relationship like now with that first record?
0: I still play uh, a couple of them. Yeah, I still play uh, Trouble Is, and I think I still play Bring Back My Heart sometimes. Uh, you know, I still I still love that record as much as uh, it's not up on the streaming stuff right now just because I'm actually getting it just uh, remastered. But you know, it's a great it's a great little record, and it was so telling of what I was doing at the time and you know i was really into that traditional shit and i think we did a we did a fine job and it was a lot of fun to record so
1: that's the first record or was is there an ep in there somewhere that i'm missing
0: there's yeah there was an ep too a self-titled one in 2012 that you know i didn't really do anything with but um I, and i still play some of those song, or one of those songs anyway still
1: and that one's not up online either is it
0: no no it's a song called Saskatoon that i'm you know debating kind of re-recording now that i'm a bit more
1: comfortable (laughs) uh and uh derek was the producer and recorded motorhome
0: yeah you bet he was uh he was the dude
1: what's that like and talk about him a little bit because he seems like an interesting guy like i don't know him that well kind of guy i bump into on the road but seems like he's a really good musician and a really good guy
0: oh yeah police he's like he has a crazy ear and is just such a great such a great you know singer and understander and lover of music and he was you know he was like the first person that kind of said you should you should record a song and I was not really thinking I would do that to be honest I was just sort of like well I'll play shows and it'll be a thing that I do on the side maybe because I was you know I was a chef before that I was in school and I got my degree and so I didn't think that was going to be a thing but Derek was the first one who kind of really pumped me to to do some of that so he you know he's great and he's one of the best
1: so you start get some start to get some local attention and some interest with motorhome like was motorhome the turning point or was it like the the couple of years that you spent playing a lot of shows around you think
0: probably the shows were a huge part of like why i even got people to come to the album release and you know buy the record um so the record itself was like a, a good sort of climax to that but yeah definitely just playing around town was was what really got me sort of on a bit of a role I think
1: and you're staying local like local to Alberta for the most part still up until then
0: oh yeah no I, I don't think I'd done anything
1: it all sort of leads up to driving in the dark
0: yeah that's right
1: and you made that with Leroy Stagger
0: I did yeah I made it down in Lethbridge at the studio he built there
1: talk about recording that and what that was like and who played on that one
0: um, yeah, well, I, I mean, we took, I obviously took four years before I made it. So I had a, a good little batch of songs and, um, went down to Lethbridge. Leroy built this amazing, like, cathedral-style studio. And we had, uh, Brady valgertson played the drums, who's Corblund's drummer. Uh, we great. Had, uh, Tyson Maiko, who lives in Vulcan, play bass. He's also awesome. Um, Michael Ayotte from Fort McLeod played keys. Uh, Russell Broom played guitars, which was fucking crazy um he's so good and such a he's got such a good ear for like hooks which i really dig who else was on that trying to think i don't think i'm leaving anybody out
1: leroy was like acting full on as producer with you or were you involved with that as well
0: most of the tunes that i'll put on a record like i've arranged pretty much but uh as far as what the session band is doing and the vibe built around it, that's all producer. So Leroy was definitely driving that ship.
1: Definitely has like a, a real sort of Canadian thing. Like I hear, I, I think, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I hear like a uh, tragically hip influences and blue rodeo and stuff like that. Like, is that music that you really like and have enjoyed over the years?
0: Yeah. joggy. even though, <laughs> uh, even though, you know, blue rodeo gets a bit soft for me sometimes like that five days in May record. Just, I love it still. So good. Yeah.
1: But there's like some it's it's like it's edgier without being you know overly aggressive. Your sound compared to someone like Blue Rodeos. That's where I get the hip thing from, maybe.
0: Yeah, I think I think, I hope so. Anyway, that's that's nice of you.
1: <laughs> it's not soft, bud. It's not.
0: Oh, thanks, bud. But you know you
1: like can to... you can dig in without like being you know offensive. I think. Well, that's
0: I mean that's the idea. Although I am you know occasionally offensive still
1: (laughs) not in music though just like on the internet
0: oh fuck (laughs) get me out of there
1: it's like a necessary evil i remember seeing you at the ironwood uh we were there on a release tour for one of my records this was would have been early 2018 like a couple of months before your record came out and i remember you seemed like really sort of excited about what you had like did did you think that you felt good about it like did you think people were going to receive it as well as they did
0: I I don't know if I was like excited about what people would think as much as I just like that record for me was a lot more true to how I think I sort of wanted to sound. So I was more excited that I was getting to like share probably a more authentic version of, of the kind of songwriter I was hoping to be, I think if that makes
1: sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like you said, you took four years in between and you made sure that it was like everything felt right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's
1: Probably a lot me. different of a person in those four years. Oh, buddy. <laughs> so album comes out. People really dig it. Some, some, you know, some doors are opened up, no doubt. Uh, talk about a little bit about that. Like what followed the release and any, any subsequent touring, I guess, would have sort of entered the picture for you after that.
0: Well, I had, obviously, kind of right when I was getting ready to put it out, I, I kind of was working with, you know, my first sort of team member, and that obviously really helped me to to plan and maximize the release of that, uh, that record and make it as good as it was. And, you know, essentially, we just, we put it out, did a few release shows in Alberta that were all uh, in bigger venues than I had sold out previously, and then we just booked a tour, and I knew that I had you know, sort of no touring market really. So I had to be creative. So we actually did a, a brewery tour that summer, the summer of 2018. I just, you know, we emailed like every brewery we could find in Western Canada and said, Hey, you know, how do you feel about me coming and setting up and playing, you know, a couple sets by myself or with a band if you want? And, uh, you know, here's what I'd be looking for and here's what I could provide you. And yeah, so it was a really great way to like quickly build an audience, uh, quickly build a touring sort of roster to to have you know stuff to show for future whatever and yeah it just kind of kept going from there I, I did a whole bunch of showcasing with it too i did that folk alliance thing and you know at west thing and basically i spent a lot of money and time playing those songs for people uh over you know about a year before it came out and then up until now
1: hey there again folks As we approach the halfway point of today's episode, I'd like to thank you once again for tuning in. You're listening to the Northern Report Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Burns, and our guest today is Marielle Buckley. I'll remind you to follow along with the Northern Report Podcast and playlist on Spotify, subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts, listen on YouTube, our anchor.fm page, or wherever you find your podcasts. Over the last number of years, Marielle has established herself as a darling of the vibrant Alberta roots music scene. And although it is a quality community with many great venues throughout Wild Rose Country, it's a big wide world out there. And no matter where one finds themselves, a good song is always a welcome companion. So with a basket full of well-written material, Marielle began to branch outside the confines of the sovereign nation of Alberta and found fans all across North America. We'll dig into that next. Just before the COVID thing sort of happens, like you really started to establish yourself as someone who's prepared to put on the miles and hard time going on the road, and I... Get the impression you're ready for that now but has the the break sort of given you pause to reflect about new ways you might want to approach that in the future
0: yeah well i mean like you know i wanted to tour so much because i saw guys like you doing it like just nonstop, and i was like that looks so fun and i i kind of did that for about a year and then was scheduled to do a lot more of that but the break the break was great because i i found that i had like a, a vocal polyp which needed my attention pretty fucking urgently and uh, you know it, it kind of gave me pause to look at some of the lifestyle choices i was making when i was touring um you know and i, I think every artist kind of goes through this at a certain point when it's just like you know drinking six beer after every show like doesn't actually work for me anymore yeah and you know now now i think you know i'm, I'm certainly ready to hit it hard uh as hard as before or harder but uh just taking some steps to be a little bit healthier and how i want to do that
1: um, if you don't want to talk about this, I understand cause you probably get asked about it all the time, but, uh, you won a hundred thousand dollars. I did. So that must've been a whole crazy experience, like, uh, going to this thing and sort of Competing, I, I, I mean, that kind of seems a weird way to put it. You're just kind of like going there. Actually, just you tell me about what it was all about.
0: It's, it is weird. Like, it's, you know, it's, te- it's technically listed as like a, an artist development program. So, you know, anybody who's kind of under the country folk roots umbrella can apply. So you know, we thought given my trajectory and where I was at, that it would be a good, a good thing to go for. And initially it's kind of set up as like a, a learning opportunity. You go away to like a boot camp, and you have a bunch of people that come in and talk about, you know, fucking Spotify and whatever the fuck else. And you, <laughs> you, you play some songs for a co like a performance coach and it's all stuff that I had never done and, and made me very uncomfortable, which I thought was a good thing. Cause you know, it's good to be uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. Um, And grow. And then, yeah, there's there's a like a competition element of it at the end where you sort of you play a show for a panel of judges and then they rank you and then you submit. So that's 50 percent of your overall score. And then you submit, you know, a a grant, basically, that's like, here's what I would do with 100 grand, you know. And, um, you know, I I think the benefit for me going into that thing um, is just that I had. You know, I had a few shows under my belt and I kind of had put out a record by myself and understood how that kind of looks on a marketing plan instead of like everybody else was kind of doing the pop country thing in that contest.
1: Right. Yeah. You were standing out stylistically for sure.
0: Well, and also like those, you know, a lot of those folks do the singles game. Like it's like one song and they try super hard to get it on commercial radio or onto an Apple Music playlist and then that's it for 6 months until another song. So I you know I just think that you know I mean obviously I was stoked to win and I didn't expect it at all but it was uh yeah it was really fun.
1: That's pretty exciting but it must also be like a little overwhelming you're like holy shit but I I mean you've probably had you've had to detail how you're you know intending to spend it but it still must feel a little bit uh a little surreal.
0: Yeah, well, certainly there's an element of that and it's also like, you know, I'm I'm pretty hard on myself and I don't I don't like the idea of people looking at me and thinking like, oh she's got a hundred grand, like fuck, she won't work hard now or the record won't be good or you know, so I, I almost feel like it was a big it was amazing and such a big help and I'm so grateful, but I'm also like, fuck, I really gotta do a good job and, and show people that I deserved it.
1: You've released a couple singles since then, right? There was one that you did with the Brothers Landreth, am I right?
0: Oh yeah, we did that, uh, we did two tunes um, last December.
1: And then you do No Surprise, which was the one that I had sort of uh, mentioned in the Hockey Talk Times article, I recorded that with Skinny. Um, What made you get Skinny involved, and what was the whole thought process behind getting that one done?
0: That that he put out that he did with Evan uh, on the tape machine so good. And I mean, I've always he's a great songwriter, that chicken catcher stuff I love. Um, and obviously I've seen him play with, you know, all kinds of people and know he's a great musician. But when I heard that record, I just was I, I don't think I realized kind of the depth of his, you know, of his ears and his understanding of different kinds of music. And I, I just was really excited and wanted to. I wanted to exploit him. basically.
1: <laughs> you want to get a song so I, with that sound? exactly didn't want to do a whole record like that
0: uh well that's actually still something i want to do um this full-length record is has been something else that i've had you know kind of envisioned for a while but uh skinny and i are still gonna do i'm gonna do a super super hard country ep hopefully in the next year or so um in the same like on to tape and and all that
1: yeah he's great he's really great so and he's gonna be playing on your your next full-length record am i right?
0: Totally. Yeah. And actually do, doing that single with him was kind of the door to that because I was just, you know, I, I knew I wanted steel on this record because there's none on the last one. And I thought, you know, fuck, he would be such a great because most of the band is not in country um, on purpose. I kind of was like sort of moving a bit away from that. But I was like, you know, it would be just so great to have someone rooted in that understanding of country music to still bring sort of a like a home base element to it.
1: Um, you've had to push this recording back, I guess, a couple of times, hey?
0: Yeah, well and yeah, uh two times now.
1: And so when are you supposed to go in and start recording it now?
0: Uh well it's supposed to be April 18th, but uh, you know, we got new restrictions imposed today. But I think we're still supposed to go ahead though.
1: Jeez, eh? Yeah. That must is it well, frustrating because you are like, mentally getting yourself prepared to get into this zone and then you're just like you can't.
0: Yeah, it's been, it's been tough for sure, but I'm trying to keep, you know, grounded about it and like, everybody's just so done with it right now. And yeah, you just got to keep your head down and, and, uh, and know that whatever kind of happens that eventually it it won't be like this and that will be good.
1: (laughs) Um, similar personnel musically. Uh, I mean, I know skinny's new, uh, same, same band.
0: No, um, Drummer is a guy from Montreal named Liam O'Neill. Uh, he's in a band called Soons. And then the bass player is Tyson, so yeah, he's the same. Um, I've got Hill Horst playing keys and synths, uh, so he does all the Deep Dark Wood stuff. Yeah, he's a monster. Uh, he's awesome yeah. and such a great guy. Um, and then James Robertson is a guitar player from Toronto. He was, he was in that New Country Rehab uh, band for a while. He was
1: with Lindy Ortega too, right?
0: Yep. He tours with Lindy and some other, like he lives part-time in Nashville. So he's, he's a cool dude and, you know, kind of very vibey. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. Yep. Bass drum. Yep. That's it. Um, and then, yeah, the producer is also a guy from Montreal. Um, so that's going to be very cool. How'd you hook
1: up with him? What's, what's the story there?
0: You know, it was like kind of classic tale. I just listened to a record that I really, really dug and then he, was you know the producer and played a bunch of the stuff on it and he's he's kind of been around forever like he did the bar brothers queen of the breaker record which is the one that i'm uh talking about and he also engineered a bunch of you know kind of really big can con stuff like some arcade fire and whatever else he did the weather stations new record that i also really like so he's kind of he's not at all country but he certainly is a very very understanding musician and i we sort of have a very cool, uh, you know, mix and complementary styles that I think will be really neat.
1: It's cool. It's like, you seem like very, uh, deliberate in your selections and like, you kind of know what you want it to sound like and you know who you need to help you out with that. And, uh, it's, it's cool that it's a different studio and a you know different producer than the last one as well.
0: Oh uh, yeah. And I think I'd kind of like to do that throughout my career as much as I can, you know, like I think, uh, you know, I think for me personally, it's just, it's exciting to explore different sounds and different people and try different things. And maybe I'll find something that I want to stick with and, you know, that'll be that. But until then, I I think it's fun to kind of surf around a bit.
1: Yeah. It's cool to move around and and to involve different people. I think you're going to get different things. Like I've had this conversation with my crew a lot, an awful lot, you know, Grant has been like, yeah, we'll make one more and then you need to move on, you know? And it's like, yeah, that's (laughs) exactly it. You know? Um, so
0: and good for him for yeah. understanding that.
1: Oh, definitely. Um when did you write these tunes that are coming on this next record?
0: Uh, most of them I've written within the last kind of kind of year. Um you know, I've had the 3 years since the last one came out, but I was touring so much that I just wasn't I I wasn't in a space to be sort of creating. I was I didn't know what I wanted to say. And then, you know, the pandemic hit and I had kind of one or two songs that i was playing live that were pretty new but yeah most of the tunes are are pandemic born i mean
1: i guess it's like a positive thing of uh you know being at home for a little while longer to hammer these things out like where were where were you guys did you guys you guys toured in the states a little bit too right
0: yeah we did um the philly folk fest and did like a show in vermont and in new york there in 2019
1: and you were doing like a fair amount here in canada
0: yeah hadn't done a whole lot in the east but done toronto a couple times uh done hamilton a couple times and western canada lots and lots
1: any places uh outside of calgary and edmonton say that uh, you particularly enjoy or that you feel like you've done you know really strong showings in
0: oh winnipeg's up there i love that place they like uh, you here and i love it that times change bar is just like one of my favorites uh, aside from the oh you know i love saskatchewan
1: me too uh,
0: I love it there. Everybody's so nice. And that Artesia <laughs> theater in Regina. It's a nice unreal. one. Yeah. Love
1: Digging back into your catalog, uh, which of your songs are you particularly proud of? Uh, and is there any that you especially enjoy performing live?
0: Uh, I still love playing driving in the dark. You know, that was my first song I wrote with other people. And, um, you know, one of them is a Winnipegger and I just, I, I wrote another song with him for this next record and I, it's, I also like that song. Uh, so I, you know, I love looking back on that tune because I, I wrote it out in Manitoba at a retreat and yeah, it's just got great memories for me and I still think it's a really well put together and articulated
1: tune. You and, uh, was that Grant Davidson?
0: Yeah, I love that guy.
1: He's fantastic at what he does and he's, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, um, I still really like playing Rose Colored Frames because that one, you know, that one did okay for me and I, it's a nice little tune. Um, yeah, I still dig into a couple tunes from Motorhome. Like I said, I play Trouble Is sometimes. I still play Motorhome uh, live with my band, but we've rearranged it into a bit of a an acid trip tune now, so that's fun.
1: I like that one. That's one of my favorite ones of yours.
0: Yeah, I like that tune too. Thanks, bud.
1: Do you still do the uh, Big Big Love cover ever? That's a nice one too.
0: Yeah. I whip that one out. Uh, usually Stampede Season. Um or the odd, you know, whatever show we're playing two sets, that's always a good one for a two-setter because it's super fun and who doesn't like Katie Lang?
1: Exactly. So do you have uh, sort of the same, will you be having the same guys you had as before or has have people kind of moved on?
0: Uh, I switched up the live uh, thing a little bit. Um, same bass player, Curtis, uh, he's from Toulon, Manitoba, so he's a good, he's good, uh, and then Ryan uh, Funk, who plays with Dell. Um, and I've got a uh, kind of rotating keys player, but a guy, Matt Krauss, who's an Edmonton boy, was in that band Altamita for a long time. Uh, and a drummer, new guy named Luke, who's uh, a young kid and just, just graduated that Grant McEwen program here in Edmonton. And he's awesome, awesome.
1: Awesome and eager.
0: Yeah, I, I love playing well kind of my own age and a bit younger because they they want to do it
1: are you typically writing solo then I know you you said you wrote one with Grant or wrote a couple with Grant Davidson is the co-writing thing something you do much
0: you know I do it the odd time and I I mean to do it more and I try to but I kind of I have a lot of anxiety around it still after doing it a few times and I don't I don't always love it just you know, it's got to be the right. I've got to be in exactly the right mood. But most of my shit, I write on my own. Still,
1: Skinny is the only person that I can comfortably write with. Really? Hey? Yeah, we've written a few together. Like where we he would be on the road with me, and I've noticed this a lot with uh, with guys that have children at home. It's like they need to. They need to like justify their being away or they need to remain occupied during the day so he's always quick to be like let's go let's go what do you got I got you know show me what you got I got this like let's do it we (laughs) got to finish one we got it and it's like okay you know Uh, and I really like that but other than like other than him yeah for me it's the same thing and I understand what you mean I think you know especially when you're hard on yourself
0: yeah and I think there's also you know well you you know like in the modern country world that's kind of all it is and as much as I I sort of see the value sometimes in doing that. I also like, you know, I kind of think at times it can strip away the, you know, the person, you know, because when you write a song, it's very personal. But the cool thing about it is that a whole bunch of people also interpret it as being personal to them. And I think when you, you know, when you kind of oversimplify and generalize by writing in a group or trying to make it like a relatable thing, it just kind of loses some of that for me
1: i think i know what you mean yeah 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 um i know you're like you know and i see that you're very supportive of fellow artists and of your pals and stuff but who are some current artists or bands that you like really especially enjoy listening to
0: oh well right now you know non-local but you know i'm listening to that live war on drugs record like once a day it's getting me through feels like i'm at a show um I'm really digging on uh, some Manitoba peeps, though. That that buddy Chris Ulrich just put out a Pacific Central album I really like. Uh, that's got some cool sounds on it. Uh, who else? Uh, I love Micah Ehrenberg, all he's doing out there, too. Um, you know, I, th- I should know more, but I don't. Uh, up in Edmonton, there's obviously lots going on, but I like uh, Lucas Chason's up here. Uh, Braden Gates is also amazing and awesome um shayla i'm always listening to shayla her new stuff is amazing
1: yeah have you heard her new record that's not out yet
0: i have yeah yeah
1: it's, it's really i think it could be her best
0: fucking bomb yeah. It the sounds are so good
1: so if you do get the chance to record here in the next couple of weeks is there a target date for release or are you just going to kind of see how things play out
0: yeah well i think the plan is to get a single out in like august or july
1: oh wow cool if we can-
0: We can get it done we want to get it going because you know it's been long enough and let's fucking go here and
1: you're you're signed up you're with the birthday cake crew here in winnipeg what's the story there
0: no i'm not on their label but uh rebecca simcoe who works um who works with them is my current management so i i do work with them but not uh, in a label capacity
1: ah okay i'm sorry i thought that was the case
0: no no um no we're uh you know, I'll do the old chopperoonie. <laughs> <laughs> See if anyone gives a fuck, and if they don't, well, fuck them. That's the
1: uh, official industry term for when you're going to go shop your new workaround. We're going to go out and give it the old chopperoonie.
0: The old chopperoo.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys do.
0: Thanks, Bud. I'll uh, I'll send you some, some roughs when it's all done.
1: That would be really great. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today.
0: Well, I like you, Sean Burns. I'll talk to you whenever
1: you want. I hope it goes well. I really do. And uh, and it's really good to talk to you.
0: Yeah, you too, bud. Take care, okay? You too, Bucks. Have a good one,
1: bud. Okay, bye, Sean. Bye. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed my chat with Marielle Buckley. I got to thank Bucks once again for taking the time to talk with me. Listen to Marielle's tunes wherever you stream music for a nominal monthly fee or check them out at Marielle Buckley. Com. Follow along with the Northern Report Spotify playlist to hear music from the folks that I've covered in the Hockey Talk Times column, as well as here on the podcast. Remember to subscribe, like, follow, and share the Northern Report. Our logo was created by Boots Graham of Boots and the Hoots, Central Alberta's finest hockey tonkers. Music on the show today, courtesy of Sean Burns and Lost Country, The Divorcees, and Skinny Dick. From local legends, to regional stars, to the cream of the Canadian crop, you'll find it all here on The Northern Report. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll chat later. What do you got for me? Uh, Never miss a good chance to shut up.